Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. afternoon, beautiful Melbourne and the rest of the world. It's Joy 94.9's very own Techno Gaze 2.0 Gold Master Edition. What edition? Gold Master Edition. Oh, wow. I don't know. We've upgraded ourselves. We have. We have. We're ready for release mm. on the world. Um, my name's Raina. That, of course, there is Michael. Hello. It's just the two of us today. It is. I got all excited when Tim said Josh would be joining us, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm afraid, I'm afraid he's got too many tech superhero things to do this afternoon. That's right. He's wearing his uh, tech cape. That's right, he is, and his underpants are firmly uh, placed on the outside of his pants. <laughs> At least they're on. <laughs> <laughs> Him, I should say. It is. The weather is warming up, so it's a bit more of a uh, bit more of a, a time for it, I suppose. Can you believe how nice it's been? Oh, it's been lovely. It's been far too mm. nice to stay cooped up with your devices, but uh, we are, of course, going to be talking about all things tech. Um, bit of uh, bit of news, obviously, this week with some new devices and things like that being reviewed. Um, yeah, some, yeah, a few new releases out there on the market, which will be interesting. Yeah, some uh, some documentation about uh, what happens, or you know, some of the early days of the NSA, going all the way back to the days of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's right, and uh, how they got some of their powers that they have today. That's right. Uh, Google in a bit of trouble in Europe. Um, private search engines. What are they? What's the deal? And can you use one in China? The answer's no, turns out. (laughs) Not without a VPN. That's right. Uh, We'll be talking about a phone that is designed especially to keep things super private for you, which is really great. And uh, which party is hooking up with potential voters on Grindr? Which political party? Which political party leading up to the Victorian election? Uh, now, of course, if you are at all interested in getting in touch with us, then you should do that uh, straight away. You can send us an email on air at joy.org.au and that will come straight to the studio so we can see it. Or you could call us on 1300 JOY949 and leave a message with uh, the lovely Mushin, who's waiting to take your calls. That's right. And if you're out and about on, uh, you know, listening to us on your smartphone or something, you can send us an SMS. 0427JOY949 is the number to text. And, of course, there's Twitter. Oh, at, Twitter. At Technogaze, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. That's right. And our Facebook page. So if yes. you just search for Technogaze on Facebook, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E, as usual, um, you can find us. Max found us this week. Max yes. is our newest liker, I think. Thank you, Max. 
Thank you, Max. And uh, if you also like us on Facebook, we will immortalise your name forever. Have we uh, registered the Twitter handle um, Technogaze 2.1 Goldmaster yet? I don't know if we have, but we probably should. I think we should. I think we should, like, take out a few vowels or something, like all the cool things. <laughs> like Grinder. Actually, no, we'll, we'll spell Technogaze with the three and seven E's, so oh, we're going to lead speak. Amazing. That's so amazing. Um... Yes, plenty is going on. So, um, by all means, let us know about all your tech news as well. We do like to hear what you think is cool, although certainly we have a pretty good idea of what is happening in the world. Hey, what's uh, what's going on in Egypt? Egypt? Well, the, uh, there's been a change in regime, and mm. there was a bit of a hope that it, for minorities it would be a good move. Mm-hmm. But for the gay community, it's not proving to be so good. Right. And there are warnings going out at the moment um, that Grindr might be used to uh, entrap people. That is absolutely no good at all. We've talked a lot about uh, about safety yep. online in, uh, you know, using using apps and things like that on lots of shows, not just Technogaze. Um, but obviously in regimes where, you know, there's, there's a questionable legal protection for the community, then it's kind of a problem. So I think this is probably a good move. Getting a bit more proactive. Yeah, but um, there's, you know, recently 85 uh, men have been detained and about 70 of them are still in jail, which isn't um, very good. And, um, yeah, people have been warned to be very careful there. Mm. If you are going to get travelling and uh, and stuff, it's always a good idea, I think. And uh, the CEO of Grindr has been saying that as well. Just make yourself aware. I mean, you would probably be doing that already. Just make yourself aware of the local laws and things like that and just take a little bit of extra care when you're going and, uh, and checking That's things right. out. Always really good advice. Yeah. Um, slightly less sinister, although I guess it depends on your opinion of politics <laughs> and politicians. How sinister you might think this is. Don't you want to pick up Dennis Napthine on Grindr? I don't really want to pick up Dennis Napthine on any app, to be frank. Um, he's he's happily married, I believe. and <laughs> I don't know. So are half of the users on Grindr. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Grindr is... Uh, now, of course, Grindr, it is really easy to, uh, to target using the advertising feature of Grindr. Yes. Different groups of people based on where they are. Now, you can use this for good if you want to reach a particular audience with an mm. ad. And uh, if you are a bit of a... Um, an officiato of, of Victorian politics. It's getting awfully close to the time where we're not allowed to talk too much about politics, so I'm going to enjoy this while we can. <laughs> um, it's uh, the, the Victorian Greens are using Grinder to target voters in the Peran and, uh, and St Kilda sort of area, and uh, Windsor, I think, is one of the other suburbs as well. In the Pink Triangle. In the, in, in the glorious Pink Triangle of Melbourne, um, to sort of target voters in that area and say, oh, you know, have you thought about voting green, I suppose, which is um, pretty interesting because they will be uh, spending a lot of time, I think, in that area targeting, mm. targeting the vote. It's a, good, it's a good use of the technology because, you know, when you do traditional advertising, let's say advertising on radio, you've got no idea where your listeners are. Well, sorry, you've probably got a good idea they're everywhere probably except where you want them to really be. This way, you know that the people that you're sending the message to are physically in the area. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that, yes, they're enrolled to vote in that area, but there is a good chance that they, they will be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, it's obviously kind of interesting as well. Even if you're not enrolled to vote in that area or, or even if there's a good chance of it, it, it probably makes sense to care about what um, what candidates are seeing in that area, especially yep. if, you, if you work or you play in that area, even if you don't live there, 
then obviously you're going to be interested about all kinds of things like, you know, business opening hours and stuff. I confess I am not really, because I don't live in that part of town, but you are pretty close, right? Yeah, I'm not too far away from there. I'm not really sure what a lot of the issues are around the um, around your sort of neighbourhood. Ours is a lot of, you know, like high-rise yep. housing and, <laughs> and roads and all that sort of stuff in, in my neck of the woods, but... Yeah, I think there are different issues for um, different groups of people, you know, things that um, are of special interest to them. So, yes, the Greens are going on Grinder advertising. The Greens want to hook up with you on Grinder. Yes. Amazing. Um, I I've, Honestly, I haven't really heard of that before. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, it's not the first time it's been used by political parties because apparently uh, it's been used in the Netherlands and in Ireland by politicians wanting to uh, reach out to their constituents. Huh, that makes yeah. sense. yeah. Yeah. So targeted advertising at its best. Yeah. Now, it is kind of interesting that they're, they're targeting specifically that sort of area. Um, I'd be interested to see if they're going to look at apps in other areas, um, like other sorts of apps, yeah. um, to target a, di- a somewhat different demographic because um, I don't really necessarily see some of the other demographics being represented Sensitive, in people's yes. advertising. Um, I know some of the other parties um, try to focus a little bit more on different parts of the community, mm. but I guess the Greens is, you know, like sort of number three closer to the majors maybe yep. than the minors these days. Um, it's it's pretty uh, pretty um, progressive there. Hmm. What else is happening, Michael? HP. What? Are splitting. HP. Yes, they've had a fight with themselves and they're dividing themselves in two. Oh. They're um, doing something similar to IBM. So a few years ago, IBM sold off its PC division to uh, Chinese firm Lenovo. And mm. Lenovo now, you know, are known for making ThinkPads and, and so on. And having the wackiest name... What? Lenovo. Lenovo. Oh, well, yes. Like, how do we dissociate ourselves from crusty, dusty old IBM? <laughs> Call us <laughs> Lenovo. <laughs> well, HP, they're not selling off their PCs and printer division. As such. Well, they, they are. They're, they're, in fact, forming a separate company. So they're going to split into two companies, one that's going to be uh, focusing on PCs and printers. Right. And the other on its enterprise business and, um, you know, efforts. Hmm. And I think both companies are going to be publicly listed on the stock exchange. Yeah. And uh, you'll be able to buy shares, of course. Well, that would make sense because I guess HP is already, and I don't know what the rules are, but isn't isn't it supposed to be that if you bust up a public company that they've got to still be public companies for a while? Or? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't really follow it. Yeah. And also it depends on the US stock exchange because they're based in the US. Yeah. Uh, that took a hiding yesterday, apparently. A lot of those tech stocks and things like mm, that. Um, yeah. I think in, in Australia, the ASX is at a... Seven-year low or something, or 7% off the top. Look, I think this this number is phenomenal as well. So they're going to be laying off an extra 5,000 employees, which is a lot... 5,000, to bring it up to 55,000. That's a huge number of people. That's a whole country town. Yeah, you're right, actually. Like, and and not even a little country town. That is amazing. Um, It's, look, I, I don't know. I always get a little bit surly when I hear about things like that happening, mm. you know, people losing their jobs and stuff. There's always this talk of, you know, oh, there's a huge tech bubble, blah, 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 and it's going to burst. But I think we already see already in these big companies like HP and Microsoft, Microsoft recently had that big announcement as well, yep. massive layoffs. Mm. Who's the tech bubble serving? I don't think it's necessarily everybody. I think it's just some of these funky little Silicon Valley the tech, the te- yeah. well, well, the tech bubble is certainly not the whole industry. It is the part of the industry that's popular, that's current, that's you know that people see the, the future in. That's where it's bubbling. In other places, it's leaking, I guess. Mm. Yeah, but HP have been in a lot of trouble. They've um, you know in terms of profitability and so on. And they've sort of somewhere I think about three years into their turnaround plan. Oh. 
and uh, this is part of it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the PC division because, you know, PCs and printers, they're just commodities and there's no profit in them anymore. No, no, you're yeah. right. Hey, it is 16 minutes past midday here on Joy 94.9 and you're listening to Technogaze. We will be right back. Technogaze. Bring joy to the world. Listen to us everywhere. Download the Joy Smartphone app now at joy.org.au. That's right, joy.org.au is our website here at Joy 94.9, where it is 17 minutes past midday. And it's hit 18 degrees. Oh, so beautiful. Get out and enjoy some of that if you are in Melbourne. And uh, and I hear from our friends over the Dutch that it's uh, quite warm over there as the well. The Dutch. The Dutch. I've been. I've just spent a couple of weeks over there, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, they have such an awesome little digital community, like a yeah. online and web sort of stuff going on. Okay. Yeah, it's been really cool to hang out with nerds and talk mm. about things. Um. More nerd things. So um, getting to something that's probably a little bit more creepy and serious, um, the NSA, we talk about these guys a lot, don't we? We do indeed. And they they seem to have very broad powers. They do. They do. Long tentacles. (laughs) Long tentacles into lots of different things. I'm not even kidding. Isn't that one of their logos? (laughs) I don't know. Is it? Long tentacles. (laughs) No, no. There's like a a squid or something hanging on to... Oh, could be, actually. (laughs) Hanging on to stuff. Oh, jeez. I'm going to have to look that up. Um... I'm probably I'm probably just being a bit fanciful, but I do know I've seen one. The um, new documentation that's been released shows how um, the NSA, which was previously uh, quite regulated and has just sort of been gaining more and more powers over the years, but some of these documents talk about um, you know how how these came about, and it was actually uh, Ronald Reagan had quite a lot to do with it, or his his administration. That's right. Had quite a lot to do with what goes on in the NSA, and they use. Um, Quite a lot of, you know, really broad sort of language, which is great if you are sort of explaining things maybe on the radio to mm. listeners. But when you're talking about legal sort of things, you want to be a little bit more precise than that. Uh, but a lot of these documents are like, oh, collecting information. I think they were imprecise on purpose. Surely not. No. Well, yes. Because, you know, if you present something to the, pe- to the public by, by way of this executive order and it's like, yeah, collecting information, oh, that sounds harmless, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, if you're wondering, well, who really cares? You know, like the NSA, it's American, right? Well, mm. no, not really. So they collect a lot of data, including us in Australia, yep. um, them over the Dutch in New Zealand, um, uh, people over in the UK. Canada. Like lots and lots of things. So we've all got that sort of information sharing thing going on. Yep. Um, and it's of good course, to share. Oh, sharing, it's sharing. sharing exactly. Oh, freedom of information, etc. <laughs> for them. Um, <laughs> she, that reminds me of something I saw yep. um, from Mark, as mm. in our Mark, yeah. uh, who is uh, a big fan of Ben Grubb, as you know. Yes. Uh, posted an amazing story on his uh, on his feed the other day about how Ben Grubb is trying to get at his own metadata. All oh, right. Okay. So Ben Ben is a uh, we're long time fans of Ben's work here at Technogaze, mm. probably some of us more than others, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he was he's been trying to argue with Telstra to get his own metadata. And Telstra won't hand it over. Telstra won't hand Actually, it over. Actually, they probably don't have a process to do that. I imagine that they don't. No. Um, the NSA, of course, has he applied to the of, NSA? Oh, I'm sure they've got a backup. We do have we do have this running joke, you know. It's like if you lose a file, don't worry, just sort of talk out loud and say NSA, can I have this file back? And they'll just dump it down into your email. Well, it was like that whole Hey ASIO hashtag that was floating around Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it was like Hey ASIO. Oh, I can't remember that person's phone number that they emailed me a few <laughs> weeks ago. Have you got it? We were talking about this and this and this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, 
Now, this uh, this order about the NSA obviously has a big impact on, on all of us, um, but it really is it really does form the basis of some of the very broad legal power, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting if you're into that sort of stuff, and if you kind of worry mm. about you know non technical people making decisions about technical capabilities, then you might find it interesting. Listen to this. This is really interesting. The definition of when something is collected. So you know we're allowed to collect data. So the definition of collected. So we, you know we've done our job is only when it's been received by for use by an employee of a Department of Defence intelligence component in the course of his official duties. I like that his. And an employee takes some affirmative action that demonstrates an intent to use or retain the information. So basically, until we copy it down and store it in some database, we haven't collected it. Right, right. But if we've just got it splashing around in some data farm somewhere with all of our... I suppose that is a database, but not a database that you're using. I don't know. But basically, whatever we want, we can take. Well, speaking of data and profiling, um, Google... Uh, obviously not the NSA or even any kind of government department, but, geez, they are pretty powerful. They are. It's Google. And uh, people are not impressed over in Europe as usual. So, Well, you while you were over in the Dutch, we... Uh, over the... I wasn't in the Dutch. <laughs> okay, on the other side of the Dutch. We, um, we were talking here on the show about... Um, Google chairman um, Eric Schmidt giving the Europeans a bit of a lecture. Mm. Well, the Europeans are serving one back now. Well, the city of Hamburg is. Right. By uh, saying to Google that they must comply with EU laws so that users can decide on what data and to what extent it can be used for profiling. Right. Which means if you look at something like Google where you've got multiple products, whether it be Gmail, YouTube and so on, that your profile information currently is shared equally amongst all of those. Yeah. And under EU law, it says, well, no, you must be able to find grain control so that you can say, yes, I can share this on YouTube, but not Gmail or, you know, something like that. Right. And uh, they are going to slap a fine on... Uh, them if they don't comply. Wow. It's only a million euro. So only a million it's, euro. It's pocket change for yes. Google. Now, this is not uh, something new for Google. Um, Italy, Spain and uh, France have already done that and Google, in their own way, just ignore it because it's pocket change. Well, a million bucks is like, they probably spend more than that just keeping the lights on in all their offices every day. Oh, well, that's right. It's probably very little. Yeah. Um, that's kind of worrying. Honestly, I, I find it very worrying that there are companies who have the financial clout to just say, well, stuff your laws. Like, yes. a fine to them is, is a polite suggestion to mm. maybe reconsider. Yep. It's Yeah, look, it's not good enough. Um, I, I feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. Like, I've turned off a lot of those things in Google, and you can do that too, listeners. Um, you, you can actually go to various bits and pieces to do with the security of your account, but also the kind of information that's stored, like your web searches and things like that. Yes. Um, and you can turn some of those things off for yourself, but they don't make it easy, do they? No, you've got to uh, dig quite deeply. Yep. Now, of course, there are other alternatives to Google as a web search engine. You can go to an anonymous web search engine. Yeah, there are a couple of them, but the one that uh, a lot of people are talking about lately is called DuckDuckGo. And in fact, um, I think it turned up in iOS 8 recently as one of the default search engines oh, that you okay, can that's choose good. from. Oh, that's really good. Um, DuckDuckGo doesn't track you. And uh, in any way, and it also doesn't do any sort of weird profiling on on what you're doing. So it might, uh, like, for example, in Google, right, or or in a Google search engine, if you do a lot of searching with Google and it's building up that profile about what you're into, it's building up a profile about where you are, and it's bringing you things that are more relevant. And And it brings in data from, you know, from Gmail. So if, I don't know, if you're looking for bathrooms, let's say, and you've got some emails there from certain bathroom companies, well, there's a good chance that, you know, those ads are going to be served up top of the list because 
Why you know, not? Yeah, you're going to be more likely to uh, look at them because they're familiar to you. Right. And, and I mean, I don't mind... Look, I don't mind being advertised to in a contextual sort of way. I don't terribly mind it. But I do mind that there is so much breadth about what's going on. And there's there's a lot of concern that you can have about a thing called the filter effect where mm. if... Or, or, sorry, the bubble... Uh, the filter bubble effect, where you've got so many systems that are so used to you and what you know that they just keep feeding you things that you, it knows that you will already like. So you never get to see outside of that. Well, that's right. And we tend to do that anyway because we encircle ourselves with uh, people who think along the same way lines that we do, but we don't always... Ha- and so we might understand that when we're talking amongst a group of people, a group of friends, but we don't necessarily have that expectation when we're going out to Google as a search engine and searching for something that the same effect is happening there. Mm. Now, DuckDuckGo has right. got a new name in China. DuckDuckDon't? Yeah, DuckDuckGone. DuckDuckGone. Because China has blocked them. Right. Um, they, yeah, look, honestly, and again, it's, it's good to sort of have that sort of privacy thing and thinking about China, what do they really like to be able to do with their, uh, their citizens? Oh, control and monitor. Yeah, and know everything about them yeah. um, if they can. This started a few weeks ago, so it started blocking it. Um, the uh, DuckDuckGo CEO says that he's not really sure why, although I think we can probably hazard a bit of a yeah. Um Companies like Apple, etc. So the Chinese government has said, you know, um, we don't trust you US people and your hackers and stuff like that, which is a fairly common sort of um, comment from some of the more totalitarian governments. Russia says that as well. Yes. Um, Apple have started moving some of the servers containing their citizen data inside China and uh, I don't reckon DuckDuckGo has the resources or the inclination to move their operations into China. Well, I'm sure it would go against the whole ethos of their product to, yeah. to move data into a region whereby they can actually have a look at it. And if they did that, then I think the whole credibility of the, um, the application would disappear. That's exactly right. They, they really want to try and offer some, some genuine privacy. You can actually find out more about DuckDuckGo by going to duckduckgo.com slash about. Right. It'll tell you all about how it works and, uh, and who's behind it. Mm. And uh, there are some uh, pretty amazing brains getting on in there. So I think it sounds pretty interesting. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's 26 minutes past midday here on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Technogaze, and we are going to be back with heaps more right after this. Joy. Half past midday here on Joy. It is World Radio Day, isn't it? It is. How exciting. It is, and exciting to be on radio on World Radio Day. It really is. And did you know that today is, uh, in the US, it's National Coming Out Day Oh, wow. as well, which okay. is a pretty amazing day. Um, I think so as well. It is. Um, feel free to text in and tell us what you think about it. Yep. 0427 JOY 949. JOY 949 to leave a message or on air at joy.org.au for email lovers. That's right. I do love email. Or you can send us snail mail and we'll read it out in a week's time. <laughs> That's right. Actually, we've never had any snail mail. No, I don't, yeah. Where are our postcards and things, you yeah, guys? Yeah, we'd love one. Yeah, send us send us one. Um, yes. I don't know our address offhand, so you might have to go look one up. <laughs> On our website, joy.org.au. Now, if you are a bit of an email lover or a text lover or indeed any of those sorts of uh, communication type things, Mm. um, if you are, I mean, we've talked a lot about privacy and security and all that stuff. 
Um, doesn't it make you a little paranoid? Yeah, that's right. That, you know, your devices that you carry around with you that can track you and everything else are liable to be, um, you know, hacked into and stuff like that. I had a conversation with someone the other day and I was just sort of saying, oh, have you heard about this thing called, you know, two-factor authentication? Right, right, oh, yeah. It's like try all that. And and she said back to me, she's like, well, that's great, but like, what's the point? Because everything you put on the internet is going to be there anyway. Mm. Like, it, it's great that it protects you from logging in. It, it, there's still so much to worry about, and it, it can seem really um, a, yeah. a little bit opaque. Well, I, I guess we do say don't put anything out there on the internet that you don't want revealed, and and partly that's true and partly it's not. Look, it's such a gross attitude to have to take because mm. when you sort of say, oh, yeah, just don't put things out on the internet if you don't want hackers to get them, that's kind of like saying don't have things in your house or yes. put a lock on your door if you don't want people to break, break in. Break in, yeah. Right? Oh, uh. Now, um, if for the extra security paranoid among us and I've got to say where's Mark where is Mark (laughs) where is Mark this is a great phone for Mark Uh, although it it isn't made by a a, a fruit related company so um, no no apples on the back of this one this is a phone called the black phone and that sounds super spy doesn't it it does sound black black phone Um, it's uh, $629 is the uh, recommended retail price of that thing Um, Uh, it does have a fruit price attached to it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but what it does is it uses a custom version of Android right. uh, because um, obviously lots of different versions yep. of Android get around out there and not all of them are necessarily designed for security in the way that this is. That's right, They've yeah. cut their own version of Android and it's got lots and lots of amazing privacy tools like uh, uh, encrypted text, all kinds of amazing things. I do like the name that they've given their OS. It's called Private OS. Private OS. Yeah. Now, Android is a... Um, I was going to say free. Free's not free's not the technical licensing term. It's um, open source. Yeah, yeah, and even then, like a lot of parts of Android that most of us are used to using on our handsets are not open. Well, that's right. That was They're the other point free. I was going to make. There's like the base operating system is free, but the apps that you use on top of it, and that might be Mail or the texting or something like that, are all licensed back to Google. I would say it is free in name only mm. uh, for the most part. This one um, they've kind of ripped out as much uh, as they can that is sort of free, I suppose, and they've added quite a lot of their own sorts of bits and pieces. Yes. Um, it looks it looks like a regular sort of phone, you know. It's I mean, it's black, which makes sense given its name. I don't think you can get it in any other colours, much like the Model T. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's not a huge phone. It's not a little phone. Um, it's apparently quite quite hefty. Yep. Um, according to some of these reviews, so Engadget's got a hold of it. Mm. It's still you know a decent display, four point seven inches, the usual front and rear facing cameras. Um, but it, but you know if you want to if you're thinking to use it like a normal phone, forget it because the whole intent and purpose of it is that it's encrypted. So things like your contacts that you would ex- that normally you're used to having been synchronised automatically, they aren't synchronised. You have to manually import them and manually manage them because the moment you open up that synchronisation, well, there's a, a vector that somebody can come in and you know attack you. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it it's, it's really isn't for everybody. No, but it's um, if if you're I don't know like if if you're say a journalist or something like that and you have to keep uh, your sources very secure, mm. for example, yep. that might be the sort of thing where you can say to yourself with with you know all, all sort of honesty and certainty in your own sort of heart, yep. I'm doing what I can to protect Text. the the way that people That's use right. to communicate with yeah. me. Um, it sounds pretty amazing. It's a little bit sort of sci-fi, I guess. Um, it, it acts as a pretty good proof of concept, I suppose. Like if you can put something out at a price point that is competitive with, you know, um, your, your galaxies, your, your notes, yes. your motos, your, um, and, you know, even your iPhones mm. and stuff like that and say, well, you can do this and you can use this operating system. Um, 
a lot of the sort of things, like you said, that we take for granted about convenience. Like, yes. oh, I can't sync my iCloud photos. What's going on there? Well, you know, tough. Because you kind of got to trade that. Yeah, and if I was, you know, let's, let's say the head of an organisation or something like that, and you had to communicate securely with other members of your organisation, especially if you're trying to protect products and things like that, then you, something like this. Are you talking about your world domination plans again? Your syndicate. When, of- when I'm when I'm the world domineer. Is that a title? That would be my title. World benevolent Dom- dictator. dictator. That's right. When I'm benevolent dictator, there won't be any need for privacy because I'll know it all. Right. So you right. won't. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it for you. Mm. Look, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, you've kind of got to do a bit of your own um, your own research, I suppose. To to I mean, the company says, of course, it's private, and mm. kind of heard that before. But they've kind of thrown it out there to say, um, you know, get around this and see if you can hack it. And they took it to DefCon and had people having oh, yeah. a go at it. Um, now, some hackers did actually get in. Whoops! Oh. Uh, but it was running an old version that had a pretty, uh, pretty well-known vulnerability oh, okay. yep. in it. So they managed to get around that, and uh, the handset was unlocked, and they had it in their actual hand. So, like, yeah, okay. once, so once it's physically in your hand, yes, yeah, it's it very gets different. millions mm. kinds of easier. Yeah. But uh, it, it's pretty fascinating, and and I guess if you've got a company that can do this, then maybe we'll be seeing some more of those features come into those those more consumer level phones. Yeah, that's right. Um, here's hoping. Mm. So um, just do a bit of a do a bit of a, a search on your favourite search engine for black phones and uh, see what comes up. Yeah. Now, black phone's at one end of the spectrum. Yeah, here's the other end of the spectrum. Um, there, is a, there is a company called Intex, and uh, they're one of the many companies out there making very low-budget phones. And low-budget being $35 smartphones. 35 bucks. So mm. for less than the cost of an expensive dinner or a, a nice steak out at, at, at a restaurant or something like that, you can get yourself one of these phones. Now, these phones really are targeted for developing nations, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. So um, $35 is a, a pretty um, pretty appropriate price point hmm. for that end of the market. We've heard a lot about um, Android phones that are at that end of the market, and even here in Australia, you know, like the, you know, here's a, here's a prepaid phone with, you know, all the goods and a SIM card for less than 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, is pretty popular with travellers, maybe with kids, stuff like that. Mm. Um, now, this one doesn't run Android. No. It runs Firefox OS. That's right. So, Android, that Android One platform mm. um, has been kind of going up against, I, th- I guess, this Firefox OS platform, yep. which is designed specifically for dodgy old phones. And uh, Ars Technica um, got a hold of one and they did a review. And, um, you know, even when you take all these things into account, oh, it's pretty cheap. Oh, the bits are in a, They still don't know. Uh, they're still not really convinced Means. that it's a winner. Yeah, from, look, from a hardware perspective, you're not really expecting much for $35. And in fact, from a hardware specification point of view, it's probably what you would have expected about seven or eight years ago from a, from, from a smartphone. That's right. They've yeah. even got some comparison photos from uh, one, oh, yeah. of the, one of the crustiest old droids from back in right. the day. Yep. And uh, the photos on that phone are even still better than this brand new one. Rem- remember the days when a three and a half inch screen sounded good? <laughs> <laughs> this is what this sports. Two megapixel camera, which is Ooh. okay. Very low storage, 128 meg RAM and 256 meg storage. But apparently the... Oh, and another feature is there's no battery backup. So that if your battery loses power, it loses everything on the phone. All the settings are gone and you have to start from scratch again. Which is wow. a nuisance. But that wasn't the kicker that um, Ars Technica found. The phone... Remember in the old days with Android, the, um, the operating system didn't support multi-touch? This one doesn't support multi-touch either. So when you're using the keyboard, Aww. if you sort of hit two letters, you know, um, let's say a Q and a P roughly at the same time, 
instead of sensing a Q or a P, it senses something in between, like the letter Y. Oh, yuck. <laughs> it's just averaging it up. Yeah. Oh. Plus being slow, it's, yeah, so the, the, the interface side isn't the best. Look, what's the deal? Like, surely we should be expecting more for developing markets. Well, you know, for that low in price point, I mean, and we say, yeah, developing markets, but, you know, there are plenty of people in Australia whose best bet at getting a smartphone should really be at that $35 price point. Yeah, not a lot. Look, I think 35 is very, very low, and there are obviously compromises that have been made in terms of the hardware. And there probably is a very fine point between something that's going to be able to be bought by a large number of people compared to, yes, we'll improve the hardware a little bit, but it's going to be too expensive. And a lot of... um, people in developing nations do rely on their phone for communication, whether it be SMSs or um, accessing the internet. So even though it's, you know, it's not the best, I think it's, um, you know, it's probably not bad as a tool for uh, a group of people, you know, that can't afford anything else at this stage. I, I think that's, it's a real shame. It's a real shame. I think that, um, I, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not full of all the answers. Why mm. don't I have the answers? If uh, if there are a way to sort of meet that price point and be a little better, I mean, I guess this is probably a start. But if people are putting, and for $35 in that end of the, yeah. of the market could be a lot of money, right? Mm. Like the average oh, wage. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is, yeah. Average wage in India is, what, 300 bucks or a bit lower mm. even, equivalent yeah. per, per month. So a $35 phone is, you know, probably yeah. a, a reasonable amount of money. Yeah. But for this to not work at all, like you don't, you don't get 3G, you don't get 4G even. You don't get 3G. You just get the slowest data, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Performance is really awful. Like, why would you bother? Why would you bother? Like, why would you invest yep. that amount of money in something that is, is functionally unusable? It's a real pain. Um, you can find out all about it anyway on ArsTechnica.com. They've been, uh, they've been talking about it all week. So um, kind of interesting to see. I, we take so many good things for granted here. That's right. And we get so disappointed when something doesn't meet our expectations. And yep. I think if your expectations are different, then maybe you know, the perspective of it's going to be a little bit different. Because I, I'd like to see um, some reviews from in-market to mm. see what they think of the phone from their perspective, rather than an Ars Technica, you know, first world. First world problems, yeah. mm, sitting here sipping my latte, etc. Exactly. Um, now, HTC is yeah. known for their phones, but they're moving into cameras, action cameras like um, GoPro. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And they've launched a new one. Now, it's very... it's. A strange-looking thing. It looks like a, a periscope. <laughs> so it's like this little stick that sort of curves on a 45-degree angle with the, um, the camera lens on the front. Mm. And it's got a 16-megapixel camera, a wide-angled lens, and at the bottom of this thing, and, and the camera size itself is probably about the size of an asthma inhaler spray. So it's pretty small. There's a, um, a, a mounting point for a tripod and a USB slot, but no viewfinder huh. or no screen. Now, that's not the only... Um that's not the only thing that I've seen like that. There are a couple of manufacturers where you have a – it's just like a lens and not much else. Yep. And you use your smartphone. Phone as the lens. Yeah. Right. But they've always been, you know, like fixed sort of lens things, like proper big lenses mm. that you might, I don't know, stick on yep. – like stick stick on a on a wall or something like that to take photos at a party or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then use the smartphone. This is the first time I've, I've ever heard anyone mention like an action camera, like a little playable right, yeah. sort of thing. It's That's pretty cool. It's a brilliant idea having the screen separate from the camera. So I can imagine you're in a crowd situation. You hold your hand up and point the camera above the crowd, and but your your eyes are down below at your hand that's holding uh, your smartphone, and you're seeing exactly what the camera sees. That's pretty amazing. Hmm. Um, so that's um, I think it's called the HTC Re R E. Do you know what the rough price is? No, no idea. It's priceless. Dang! Of course it is. 
Of course it is. Hey, it's uh, you know what else is priceless is uh, is time. Time is priceless. And we are quickly trickling out of it. It's 17 minutes to one here on Joy 94.9. Right after this, we'll have even more for you. Technogiz. It's Joy 94.9. We're at 16 minutes to one. And uh, if you go to joy.org.au, you sure can get amongst all those podcasts and other bits and pieces, including there, ours. Oh, yeah. There are heaps of podcasts and a wide range of shows. Yes. And there's always our back catalogue. If you've got nothing to do for a few weeks. Ah. If you want to, if you want to hear some old tech news, maybe. Actually, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I was listening to one of the first shows on the podcast list a little while ago, bits and pieces, and the technology has changed so much. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. really has, and it's just you know, in the last three or four years. Uh, we should we should uh, play some of those old things and have a bit of a cackle. Hey, mm, that's right. That'd be pretty funny. I was seeing a documentary on uh, Steve Jobs and Apple the other day, and they were going showing the release of the uh, the original Macintosh. Boy, it looks old and clunky. Oh, it's beige. It came in a bag. <laughs> and you square. could get a bag for it with a handle on top. Amazing. And that everyone is was so excited computer. because it spoke to you. Hello. <laughs> um, if you like talking to people, uh, then you might like this. So there's an app that's come out called Snowball. 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 Mm, interesting name. What this is for is uh, for unifying all of your different messaging platforms. So if you use... You know, if you've got friends that only talk to you on Facebook, you've got friends that only talk to you on Skype, you've got friends, you know, WhatsApp or whatever, um, what it does is it combines a lot of those platforms into the one app so that you don't have to have five or six different applications. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, amazing. Because the worst thing is, you know you've had a conversation with somebody and you might want to have a look at it again, but you don't remember which app it is. Right, right. I've got... Line, WhatsApp, WeChat, BlackBerry Messenger, Facebook Messenger, Hangouts on my phone. It's like I can't keep track of it all. And I can't keep track of who is using which tool. Yeah. So this, uh, I mean, this could actually really help if it can manage to cut through all of the world domination of apps like that. Like Mm. Facebook Messenger, for example, which everybody really hates, is still like the most downloaded app on either Play Store, I think, at the moment for for weeks. Well, with 1.3 billion users, I wonder why. Yeah, well, with 1.3 billion users having it force-fed to them as well by the Mm, platform, that isn't much fun. But if there's something like this that can sort of bring all that together, maybe it will make people feel a little better about it or at least least sort of do that. No joy for iOS because the API or or the the underlying operating system doesn't allow you to get things out of other applications (laughs) as easily. Yes, which is a shame. Um, But it is on Android, and Android we know is the most voluminous um, operating system out there. Yes, there's more of more of you than there is of us. That's right. <laughs> there is more of me than of you. <laughs> oh. um, so if it can ever sort of bubble up, that would be pretty exciting. You know, there was always that huge, uh, like, trillion IM on Windows. Yes. Adium. There are a couple of other applications Digsby like that. Digsby was one. Yeah, I remember like 10 or 12 yeah. years ago even on the, mm. on the desktop, and everyone was like, oh, wow, amazing, wow. And... You know, it really worked for me. I had a lot of friends on different sorts of things. things and having yeah. that on my desktop was really, really good. I, I could see this fitting into my life quite comfortably. Mm. But I think each of the companies want to control the interface and they make it obviously harder and harder for third parties to in, to interact through um, their um, By, by their the system. interface, you mean the advertising channel, right? That's the one. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you know, when you don't pay for it. Well, that's right. Oh, yeah, we want to be extensible. Oh, but don't mm. get rid of our ads. Mm. What I want is a gateway. So I can have a gateway between, let's say, BlackBerry Messenger and WeChat. So I can be on BlackBerry Messenger and I can send a message to somebody on WeChat. That would be good. Or that would be pretty sweet. iMessenger. Mm, that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Somebody out there, please invent it. <laughs> Actually, it would be good because if I was at the gateway, I could see all of the conversations. <gasps> well, you'd be able to do that when you're a benevolent dictator of the no, world anyway. But then you could use it, you could <laughs> pump ad- relevant advertising through the stream. Oh, yuck. Oh, look, we've got a cash uh, flow. Let's come up with a name for the organisation. Uh, it, 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 I think it, it starts with a G and ends in Oogle. <laughs> Um, now, Cynogen um, is a, uh, a company that builds a lot of exciting things um, on Android. Yeah, they're, an all, they're called an Android um, ROM supplier, huh. which basically means that we make plain vanilla Android. Right. Now, they, um, they recently had some overtures from people at Google uh, saying, would you like some of our sweet cash in exchange for our undying love and... Um, and your soul. Yeah, and uh, maybe some interesting, uh, you know, additions to your product, to which Cynogen said, mm, not sure about that. Not sure that we want to at all. It uh, would take a fairly brave person to turn Google down. Well, if they've got a lot of money, which they do, um, and you would like to make a bunch of money, so that they're basically saying, you know, we'd prefer to stay true to our, our goal, yeah. then accept your delicious cash. Mm. Um, they, uh, they have investors, obviously other ones. Um, they've struck a bit of a deal with a company called Micromax to build some phones right. that are based solely on, oh, their, okay. yep. on their ecosystem, which I think is pretty exciting. Mm. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if that's necessarily going to work out in the best sort of way possible, but it's obviously bothering Google if Google's ready to come around with a little bit of shush money. Yeah. The good thing about Cyanogen is that um, unlike when you get a, let's say, a Samsung Android phone or HTC Android phone, where to get updates, you've got to wait for not only the manufacturer to release the update, but also the telco to release the update. That's right. So a lot of people who are into Cyanogen are doing that because they want to maintain a bit of that control. That's right. So it's very much like iOS, where Apple is the one that determines when when the update to the the software is available, they push it out, and you go and get it. The same thing applies with Cyanogen. And it's also very much like um, Google with their Nexus range. Yeah. Now, this is the amazing thing about this company, is that um, all of this stuff is free, as in as in beer, meaning mm. that um, they're practically not making any income at all. No. So they've only been funded by investors. I guess this phone uh, agreement that they want to do with Micromax is going to help them sort of, I don't know, have a bit of an income and a bit of cash flow. I don't don't know, but if it's free, what are they going to get cash for? I don't know. I I, I guess with these phones, if they're actually manufacturing these phones and building that out and selling it to vendors and all that stuff, then I suppose that's where the money comes in. Um, But, yeah, that's that's not a bad effort. Not a bad effort from, like, zero income to being able to tell Google to... um, Mm. Naff off with your $1 billion or whatever. Now, they are looking for cash, and last year they managed to raise $30 million. Now, when looking for cash, they're valuing themselves at $1 billion. Mm, Value add? Mm, I suppose you could. Yeah. Hey, um, here's something else that's happening um, over at Microsoft. Oh, I, lo- I love this story. This is a great story. Yep. So Microsoft have this great thing. They use a platform called User Voice, which is like a, a platform that you can use to sort of set up a thing and say, mm-hmm. hey, people of Earth, what do you think we should do with our product? And yep. they, of course, have done that. They've got one um, that is about Windows development. And one of the suggestions made by their end users was, um, have you thought about maybe stop using, <laughs> stop stop developing IE, Internet Explorer, <laughs> the evil blue E. Just stop working on it. Have you thought about... Just just letting it die. Now, it wasn't one or two users, was it? No. No, it wasn't. It was the most popular 
uh, submission on the Windows um, user voice platform uh, on their dev feedback site. 6,000 votes and 50 comments, which is pretty good considering that most of the suggestions on there have, you know, a couple of little bits and pieces. Now, it's great to get user involvement and everything else. So did Microsoft embrace this? No. No. Here's the full text of the suggestion. You can't stop what users want with just erase their voice. So I'm not really sure um, if the, if this is worded the best. This yep. browser was and still is a pain. Focus to more important things. Stop Internet Explorer development. Um, whoops. Now, they kind of, uh, Microsoft sort of said, mm, not sure if we want that, and they kind of shut it down. And there were a few comments on there that were sort of suggesting maybe that's not the best idea as well. Yeah, to, to delete the thread? Well, to delete the thread I think is a bit stupid. Yeah, it's, it's not like that people aren't going to know and talk about it. Oh, we care about your feelings, except this one. Don't ever talk about it. Um, one of the, or, or a couple of the comments that were on that thread made the very good point that if you do stop developing for Internet Explorer, mm. um, then we're just going to have a whole bunch of people on IE 10 or 11 for the next million years because they won't want to get rid of it. The blue E is all they know. Yeah, they won't want to migrate off it. But eventually you would because when you upgrade to a new version of Windows and, you know, Windows 10 is, I guess, the last opportunity because it's going to be one of the last window upgrades in terms of major upgrades as such, that, um, you know, the chance to put say, okay, which browser do you want? Here's a selection of five or six mm. and choose which one. Mm. A lot of people don't know. No, true. And they a lot don't of, know the difference. And, and a lot care. of people are so used to using Internet Explorer that they're just scared to try something different. The blue E is what gets my Facebook. Mm. That's what people are like. Um, yeah. Not all of us, but plenty of us. Um, look, it's, it's, it, it is worrying um, to sort of think that, uh, that it, we could have another um, IE sort of... I remember the days of IE6, and they were long days, so many they long were days. Nightmares. They were years. Years of having to support the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that it's the best idea, but, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it really gets down to the heart of, well, do you really want to listen to what people say if you're just going to delete stuff? Really, they should have just said, thanks. Yeah, that's and maybe right. locked it. I don't know. Or maybe said, okay, we're listening. You're not happy with it. What do you want us to do to make it better? He, you know, Satya Nadella did that this week. Yeah. Uh, so there was a, a, uh, an event about women in technology, mm. uh, a Grace Hopper-related yep. thing. And um, he was interviewed, and one of the things that he said – or, you know, one of the interviews as well, well, you know, what should women do to get ahead? And he was like, oh, don't ask for raises and stuff. Just, like, just relax and wait for karma to bring it to you was basically the essence of it. Yeah. And the interviewer was like, no, that is a terrible idea. Never, mm. ever do that. So tone deaf. Yeah. Amazing. It was, it was one of my favourite stories of the week. And he eventually sort of, you know, a couple of days later said, you know, you're right. I think that's a really dumb idea. I'm really, I can't believe I answered that way. You know, okay, well, good women, he... you should step up and, and ask yeah. for what you deserve, etc. But um, it just made me think of it because you're saying, well, why, why isn't Microsoft listening? Well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, they've been so attuned for so long not to listen. They're trying to cool it up a bit in mm. Microsoft, you know, like Windows Phone is funky, you know, the Xbox One, everyone's, you know, like not necessarily in love with it, I suppose, but it is super popular still. Yep. Um, selling lots of units and stuff. They're trying to be cool. Windows 8's kind of, you know, pretty and colourful, but wow, they're kind of still your very uncool great uncle, mm. you know, not quite yes. listening to what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe they need a bit of rebranding, launch a sub-brand or something like that. Oh, my goodness, can you imagine? Hey, it's five minutes to one here on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Techno Gaze with Michael and Rayner and there will be a little bit more of this right after this break. Techno Gaze. 
Three minutes to one here on joy.org.au for the world. Three minutes to one? Can you believe we've gone through a whole hour of tech talk again? What happened to time? Uh, it, it inexorably... Like sands through the hourglass, so are the minutes of techno gaze. Um, but we do, of course, have one last little bit of news, and we try to pick a fun one for the last one after we've talked about tinfoil and NSA. And yes, that's right. Scary companies. Mm. Um, this is a robot. The robot's called Budgie. That's a cute name, isn't it? And it's a little robot to help you carry things oh, I need around. That. How cool is that? It's just, it's honest to God, it's just a basket on wheels that has these sensors on like a little head. Yeah. And he's kind of got this weird sort of cockeyed sort of look like he's got one sort of eye closed and the other one open and he looks super cute. Um, it's, you know, if you if you um, just have too many bags and not enough arms hmm. or, you know, maybe maybe you just have trouble carrying things or, I don't know, anything at it, all. It's great for the elderly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, apparently it follows you around because of uh, it hooks into your mobile phone. Right. And so follows the phone around. Right. So as long as you've got your phone on you and it's switched on, then Budgie will follow you around. It's also pretty good at not running itself into walls or tipping over Which staircases or anything. I can, I can imagine you, you put your phone in the wrong shopping trolley and Budgie just sort of runs away. Oh, no. Oh, now, Budgie's funny. not cheap at the moment, is he? Budgie is uh, $1,400, which is um, not... Not cheap if you're like me and you're just lazy and you don't want to carry all of the bags mm. home. But if you, I mean, if you're already sort of integrating uh, things into your life, then yeah. Yeah, yeah. not a bad idea. Check it out. Budgie, yep. B-U-D-G-E-E is what you should search for. That's about it for us. Yes. For another Saturday, Arvo, here in the lovely studios. Another warm, beautiful day. But there's plenty more coming up on Joy. Uh, coming up, we do have Cravings with Pete Dillon, and he's got two very special guests. <laughs> Who are they? Oh, my God, it's Guy Grossi and Matt Preston. In studio live. Oh, wow. Um, I do love both of those guys, particularly Matt Preston. Um, Michael, thank you so much for your efforts. Thank you. And uh, pushing the buttons and stuff. And thank you, listeners, for all the time that you've spent with us. Have a good weekend. We'll catch you next time. Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 